All right, well, let's dive into the Word. I do not have much time, so I'm going to talk really, really fast. Prepare yourself, okay? Jesus, thank you for your presence, and thank you, God, for what you're doing at Rock City Church. Thank you, God, for how you've entrusted us with this facility, this shopping center. Thank you, Lord, for our future, that it's full of hope and life and vision. Thank you, God, for doing what you do best, and we only want you to do what you want to do. So help us, Lord, to yield consistently all the time. And when we manifest and act out, when we get stubborn and jump in the flesh or even fall to sinful ways, Lord, I thank you for your mercy and grace that picks us back up again. And I pray over this congregation and this family, strength, health, peace, wisdom, and understanding of the gospel, that our hearts are deceitfully wicked, but in your love and mercy, you change our hearts and rescue us out of it. Break the lies, the shame, the pain, the fears, the worries, and the doubts. And Lord, as our nation is going headlong into an election and what seems to be the most tumultuous time it's ever been in, Lord, help us to rise up and stand for life and truth and justice the way that you do. Rescue us, God. Rescue your people. And I thank you, Lord, that your will is being done and that your church is rising up to be bold and confident in such a time as this. Thank you, Lord, for giving us wisdom about this election. All of the people running for government offices, from the mayor to the city council members to judges to the White House. Lord, everyone that's running, give us wisdom in how we're to vote and what the important issues are for you and how your church can be an accurate reflection and representation of you on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you that we are your ambassadors, that we're the ones that have your delegated authority to bless a city, to speak life to a city, to live righteous, and in turn, see our city exalted. May the body of Christ Texas be a bright light to, the, to our nation and the nations of the world. Lord, bring the churches and the pastors together, the congregations and the families together, and make this city to be an example, a bright shining light from the coastlands to the nations of the world. Cause us to be everything you want us to be. Give us all wisdom and insight. Show us how to love. Show us how to fight. Show us how to stand firm. Show us how to live lives like you lived in a demonstration of your power, your love, your grace, mercy, and even your firmness. We love you, and we're so thankful for you. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the worshipers and the volunteers and the ushers and the greeters and the media team and the children's workers and the facilities keepers. Lord, thank you, God, for the way that you have blessed us. And have mercy on us, Lord, for anything that we've said or done, any way we've lived that's contrary to your design. For we have, Lord. We've lived contrary in so many ways. And we repent, Lord, for anything that we've said or done or in any foolish ways that we've acted. And I ask, Lord, that you would have mercy and forgiveness upon us. Have mercy, Lord. And we say we're sorry, God, for the things that we've done the things that our nation has done and continues to do, the things we do that are contrary to you, Lord, have mercy and help us to become more like you. And thank you, God, that you've made us new creations. You change us from the inside out. Change our hearts. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to remind you guys that repentance always starts with us. And uh, 
there's never probably a time that we don't need to repent for something in our own hearts and our own lives. Uh, I do believe that we're called to live perfectly in the way that we love others. And I do believe that God wants us to live sin-free. Uh, I don't know anybody but Jesus that has, but I think it should be our desire and our ambition to live like him. And if anybody does sin, they have an advocate, somebody that stands on our behalf. But our desire is to grow in mercy and to live more like him and to mature as believers and sons and daughters and mothers and fathers in the kingdom of God. All right? Uh, if you missed last week, I just want to remind you of a couple great scriptures that I quoted. Proverbs 11, 10, and 11 says that the blessing rests on the righteous. The blessing that rests on the righteous really strength and favor to the entire city. The blessing of favor resting upon the righteous influences a city to lift it higher. And I reminded you guys last week that we are a blessing. Our lives are designed to be a blessing. The way that we live our lives, the way that we speak, the things that we say, how we love, how we live, all in turn brings prosperity and life and a, to the city and the community that's around us. And then Proverbs 14, 34, and 35 a nation is exalted by the righteousness of its people, but sin heaps disgrace upon a land. And so if we want to see our nation exalted, then we have a responsibility. It can't just be with our words. It has to be with our actions. How we live, our families, our marriages, our children, living by the biblical standards that God has set forth, knowing him personally, being his mouthpiece, prophesying, and speaking the way that he would speak. We need a people that are an accurate reflection of God on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? And in turn, what happens? God makes a promise. And that promise always comes down to being a blessing to the community around you, to see our city lifted higher, and to see our nation exalted. So we have a responsibility, and the onus is upon us. It's also upon us in how we raise our children. Next service, we're going to dedicate children to the Lord. I don't do child baptisms, but we will dedicate our children to God for the purposes that he has for them. We're going to speak life to them. We're going to bless them. You know, Jesus said, suffer not the little children to come to me. And he said that in the context of parents bringing infants to lay hands on them and bless them. And so he rebuked the disciples because the disciples were telling the kids and families to get back. I don't even understand. And then as soon as he rebuked them, he went on laying hands on the kids. And then he said, the kingdom of God is for these little ones. The kingdom of God's design is a purpose of leaving a legacy for the children and the generations coming behind us. So I'll talk more about that next month or next service. But we have a great responsibility. Many of us fall short. We make mistakes. We say things we shouldn't say. We think things we shouldn't think, which is why we should be quick to repent and spend a lot of time in God's word listening to his voice, knowing what he has to say about matters, and then making our voice heard to the government officials in our land. We are not called to be silent. We are called to be bold as lions. All right? And that means that we affect change. It means that how we vote, how we speak, the relationships we build with mayors and city councils, and what we say when we stand before them, all of that's important. There are countless, countless times where the disciples and the apostles were brought before government officials to state their case of why they were doing what they were doing, and they would preach the gospel, and many times they would convince and persuade government officials to follow the way of the Lord. But it's important for you to understand 
that we are in a spiritual conflict and there are wickedness and wicked rulers and spiritual principalities that are affecting the way that non-believers think. Now, of course, the wickedness and the lies and the spiritual principalities and the demonic forces want to influence us as Christians and will work overtime to influence us to believe lies. Every day, we have to stand against lies of the enemy. I do too. And sometimes I believe the lies, if we're just being honest, which we have to be. But the good news is that I love Jesus. I love his word. I've dedicated my life to learning his word and to hearing his voice. And so I've recognized over the course of time what voice is speaking to me and when. And sometimes I play the victim, and sometimes I succumb to those lies, and I believe them. But I know how to counterattack. I know the answers. And even when I do, I need to be quick to repent, ask for forgiveness, and get back to the truth. Okay, so there's grace and mercy for all of us here. But we can't stay as a victim, and we can't stay silent. And we have to understand that there's a very real war and a very real battle that's taking place in the world around us. Remember, the greatest ploy of the enemy, of Satan, is to get you to believe that he doesn't exist or that he's not there. Now, I've talked a lot about spiritual warfare in the past, and we're not a devil-happy church. I will cast out de demons anytime they manifest as the Lord leads. But I don't chase demons. I don't chase manifestations. We chase Jesus. And if the enemy is in someone and doesn't like it and is ready to come out, then he's coming out. It's not that complicated. It should be normal for Christians. The Bible says that those that follow Jesus in his name, we would cast out demons. Number one, Mark 16, verses 17 through 20. Praying in tongues, taking up snakes and scorpions, and drinking poison, and laying hands on the sick. Those are things that should be normal for Christians. The challenge is it's become abnormal for most churches, or you get these weird charismaniac churches that literally bring poisonous snakes into the church, and five generations of pastors die. It's idiotic, right? And so the point is, is that we are in a constant battle to set lives free. I want you to understand that no matter what it is you're facing, and you're always going to be facing something in your personal life, you're always going to have offenses, you're always going to have trouble, you're always going to have trials and hardships. But at some point, you have to move past those things and begin to do what God's called you to do. If I only ministered when I'm doing really well, I would probably have only ministered about a third of the time. Because what I define in the natural is doing really well, and what God defines are different. And the point is, is I understand mercy and grace and love and care and compassion, and I understand what it means to be authentic. Now, there are times in my heart that I'm lying about things that I don't realize I'm lying about or I'm being lied to. That's why I've self-deprecated for weeks and weeks and weeks. I have to self-deprecate with my wife. I have to own things with my wife. I have to own things sometimes with my kids when I respond inappropriately. And that's the beauty of the gospel. The gospel is this understanding that Christ set you free from yourself and from condemnation and gave you a way out every time, all the time, no matter what you're going through. This is good news. The good news is if you're in a really bad place right now, God always has a good answer and a way out. Do you understand that? Okay. Now, preaching the gospel is really the prime center and focus 
of what God calls us to do with our words and our actions. But you can't do that until you understand perfect love for yourself and for others. Otherwise, you're just going through the motions. Now, God wants to save nations. Saving nations is important to the Lord. Saving cities is important to the Lord. In fact, the Bible calls us a city on a hill. Did you know that? You are a city where? Not in the valley or in a dungeon, but on a hill. Therefore, let your light shine bright. And I actually like the context of it because the context is, says once you become the city on a hill, which you are, you can't not let your light shine. And so it's something that as a believer, we have to do everywhere we go and all the time. We have to understand that my light reveals darkness. His light in me reveals darkness. When people manifest, it's the light coming to their darkness to reveal the darkness in them. That's why I don't chase out demons to manifest in people's life. But I actually love it when God sets people free from demonic torment. And what I found more often than not is that when you preach truth and life and there's light and the presence and power of God, the enemy can't stand it and will ultimately have to leave or will choose to hang on to those pet demons and run out the back door. And what I'd say to you is let them go. God loves you. He cares about you. And we have to understand that God is always fighting on our behalf to rescue people and he calls us to do the same. Now, there are a lot of demonic influences that are influencing our nation and political leaders. Anybody that does not know Jesus 